Hey, hey, Podnotians. Welcome to Android App Addicts, episode 575. I like that. 575. That's, uh, you know, a good rational number. Uh, this show is brought to you by Ken H. Thank you very much, Ken H., for your years of support uh, in Patreon. Uh, yeah, you've been with us for at least three years, I believe. So thank you very much, Ken H., for all your support. Uh, if you, too, would like to support this podcast, it's very easy. Just go to patreon.com slash Android App Addicts, link in the boobity-boo. Uh, tonight, joined by Josh. How you doing, my man? Uh, I'm doing well, Dor. Um, I'm a bit tired today. Uh, we've got some friends visiting. We've had guests for a couple months now, on and off, um, mostly on. <clears throat> so him and I stayed up to about 1230 last night and doing some catch-up. Um, then I guess since we last spoke... The kid has turned three, and then at the end of July, we had a wedding for some good friends of ours in our backyard, so that was a a week of a lot of work, and then I was the best man as well, so apparently there's work involved with that. They didn't tell me about that, and uh, yeah, other than that, just living the dream, man. How you doing? Uh. I'll just put it like this. I'm gonna, for the people who are uh, watching us on video, if you want to watch us on video, it's very easy. Just uh, follow us on YouTube um, or um, Discord or one of those kinds of thingy things, and you can follow us live uh, on Twitter, Discord, whatever, whatever. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm gonna be basically just going to show my, uh, air, in air quote, war wound there. Um, it looks a hell of a lot better than it did here in my elbow. Um, it's about at least a four to six inch incision. And I'll tell you, it hurts still. It's over a month ago. This surgery was, but, but it still hurts a lot less than it did before the surgery. What, what exactly did they do? Is it a Tommy John surgery or? <laughs> it was a ulnar adjustment is the way they put it. Basically made a big incision, pulled the skin back, moved the ulnar nerve, grinded bone to make like a channel and then put the nerve in that channel, and then put the skin back kind of thing. And the split second I woke up from um, surgery, I knew they it worked. It was a successful surgery because I was feeling fire and tingling from my elbow to my pinky, like most of the day. So now it's just a question of recouping from the surgery. I will say every day I think I'm able to move it a little bit more, get a little bit more, you know, um, mobility out of it, but I'm still not supposed to pick up anything heavier than a cup of coffee. Wow, yeah, that's how big a cup of coffee is, the real question. Well, when I asked that, and the lady was like, if you have to ask, small. <laughs> I'm on to cappuccino here. Well, and I'll say it like this. I- I'm very happy the nerve damage wasn't in a leg. Um, really happy it wasn't in my right arm. It was my left arm. Uh, you know, the best possible place for it to have happened. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you're feeling a bit better, and I hope that it uh, stays that way. Yeah, it'd be even better if I didn't have to go back to physical work. That'd be, you know, just... so you have to go. You have to go back into uh, the office. Uh, they're like really nicely asking me to come in at least two days a week, and when school starts for my kids, uh, they're asking if I can come back more. And you know, I don't want to be a jerk all day. <laughs> so yeah, I'm probably going to go back at least a little bit. We'll have to see. But how? I'll ask. Uh, how is? I'm guessing the wedding went good. Yeah, it did. Uh, everybody had a great time. We put a lot of work in. The, uh, the bride and groom had some some things to do, one of the which was 
procuring uh, porta potties, which they failed to do, and then let me know on the Tuesday before the Saturday of the wedding that uh, they had not done it, and there was they were expecting sixty to eighty people, and there's no way I was going to have that many people, most of whom I did not know, <laughs> tra- traipsing through my house to use my toilet, and uh, yeah. and so I spent a couple days putting up some outhouses. So we've got two outhouses in our <laughs> on our property now, one of which is is housing a composting toilet, and the other one is just uh, a hole in the bottom of a a pallet basically with some walls. I tell you, man, you you took what could have been genuinely bad news and you actually made it work. Yeah, it would tell it was crappy news to tell you the truth. Exactly. I wish Ivor was here to sigh about that one. Yeah. He he uh thinks he'll be able to make it next week, so that's good. Cool. Um I will say there has been plenty of stuff going on in the Android world. Um I'm I'm still gonna say I'm genuinely shocked at the amount of Android podcast I listen to that don't talk about Android. So let's just right now make make that uh, switch over. Uh, I don't. I don't so want to. Well, we're not going to talk about iOS. Well, we can talk about win- um, Windows. Oh man. Well, you know they're going to have the Amazon App Store on it. Looks horrible. Um, I will say in the Android verse, I will say uh, Pixel Six got announced. I can't picture anyone caring about that phone whatsoever. Um. It looks like overly priced for what it is. It's going to have this TPU neural chip in it, which, if look, if history taught us anything, it's going to be incredibly underutilized because this is the very first time it's being used. So it's just going to be an eyesore. It's going to be a battery drain. It's not going to be really beneficial. It's going to take two or three versions of this in more than just one phone for developers to really hop on and really take advantage of it. Okay, well, I mean, I obviously know everything about what you're talking about, but uh, could you explain it to... To people that don't know what a neural link is or whatever you're referring to? Yeah, it's a TPU, a tensor processing unit. Uh, Google has a platform called Coral or Coral, matters who you listen to. Uh, and essentially what it is, it's a spec- it is a very specific design on a processor that is supposed to make it easier, less battery intensive, and quicker for machine learning types of tasks uh, is the best way I can put it. It's, I'll just put it like this. We have x86 processors. We have ARM processors. You know, they, they, they like serve different needs as far as the developer is concerned. Um, this is a different type of processor, which really is not supposed to do normal computations. It's not supposed to run normal operating systems kind of thing on it. It's just supposed to do machine learning type of task, which means the only thing I could really see it benefiting, at least in the first version, I could see it maybe doing something special with your pictures. I mean, we, we already know modern Android phones do a lot of magic in software to make the pictures better than they should be. So I think this is just going to take it up another level to make pictures even better. So it, I'm looking at it is ugly. Oh, yeah. But yeah, like what? I'm, no, maybe, maybe some butts look good. It, 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 this is hard. What, uh, what is that just the camera, that monstrosity on the back? Yeah. It's like the whole thing, it goes across the top. Who wants that? Um, people who want to scream, look at me, look how ugly my phone is. <laughs> if you want to do that, just get an iPhone. Oh, but yeah. Um, So it, it's one of those things, you know, in the beginning, it's a novelty. Hopefully, 
by two years from now, three years from now, other phone manufacturers are doing a similar kind of thing that will actually become beneficial in some manner of speaking, um, except for algorithmically making pictures better or doing identification type things via cameras. I'm not really sure what else we could see it doing. And it'll probably be right at that thousand dollar price range. Well, I, I know it's going to be too much money. Also, um, but I will say I believe the Google Coral board, which is a, like a Raspberry Pi like board, I want to say it was only seventy bucks. So the processor itself should not slam the price up, but the heat and the dissipation and the space it's taking up in the phone will drive the, the price up. I'm sure. So the Coral is. Hold on, now I'm confused. You had mentioned the uh, Raspberry Pi in there, so it's yeah. it's a. Uh... A uh, Coral is basically a dedicated platform that has a TPU on it to do machine learning. So you could basically drop one of these dev boards on your network and send machine learning type tasks for it. The example everyone gives is you set up a dumb IP camera outside and you push the stream through a tensor processing unit, Coral, and it can do stuff like um, identify license plates, identify pictures of, of faces or types of cars or something. Well, they have, they, what is that called? Open CV, I think, mm-hmm. um, which is, I haven't looked at it in a long time, but uh, it's a, a recognition, I'm so tired, uh, a recognition type of software, um, open source, and yeah, you can use it for, for facial recognition and stuff like that. So I actually want to, should look back into that. OpenCV, open source computer vision library. So you can uh, you can create uh, you know like little RC cars that not run into walls and all that other stuff that you can already buy anyway. But you know us type of people that like to build something from scratch when you could easily just buy it. Yeah, um, the other bit of like Android news that I'll say I think is worth at least talking about is um, the people out there, I, I believe, the people out there who l- use Android Auto and really like Android Auto, really like Android Auto. Um, basically, in Android 12, Android Auto on your phone screen is going away. It's dying. It's no more. Um, every article, of course, is painting it like, you know, it's the end. Don't expect to use anything like this ever again kind of thing. But that's not really the case. The case is that it's being replaced by another solution called um, a um, a assistant driving mode, where instead on the bottom, where you have the home button or exit button, uh, navigation button, phone button, and audio button, the buttons are on the top, calls, messaging, and media. And then on the very bottom, there's quick like jumps uh, between uh, maps and navigation or mic input. So it, it isn't that it's dying. Think of it as it's being retired and its kid is getting its job. Kind of. So it's a politician. I hope it ain't. <laughs> Take it up back and shoot it in its head. Not that we condone this type of behavior. I think, you know, flushing politicians out is a good thing. <laughs> Through legal constructive means, of course. Sure. Why do I always have, like to, why do I always have to be the grown-up around here, Tor? Like says, I'm immature. Can't help it. Um... So, yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, Android Auto on my phone screen, it's bearable. I'm not going to say it's great or I'm going to miss it. I will say it needs something. It needs some kind of refresher kind of thing. Um, hopefully this will, in air quotes, do it right. I'm uh, looking at the chat here on the YouTube chat, and there's just crickets. 
Where are you guys at? We need some backup. Well, if I was more consistent, I think they would be here. So I'm going to blame myself on that. You and me both. Well, actually, you know what? Ivor's not here. Let's blame him. Right, Kate. Well, speaking of Ivor, I can only imagine what Ivor would have said to this one, which is Android Authority says that they, they were like, you know, were pretty quick on reporting this one. Um, Pretty soon, you're going to be able to control, like everyone will be able to control your Android phone with facial expressions. Um, would like an eye roll be like a reboot or something? I don't know. <laughs> um, but their TLDR Android 12 beta includes new features that will let you control your phone using facial gestures. Uh, you can map a range of gestures, then perform different actions on your Android phone. New features also accessible on phones running older versions of Android. Now, it's a, it's really easy to pick on this and make it a joke kind of thing, but at the same token, this is the kind of accessibility we, people who are aware of accessibility, have been dreaming about for like 15 years. Um, so I can imagine someone literally truly paralyzed from the neck down now actually be able to at least do some basic tasks on their phone just by gesturing with their face. No, it's... So I'll take that it. That seems like pretty amazing technology um so would it would it be like voice recognition where you just go through and roll your eyes and do a duck face and whatever else you're going to be using to control your phone uh the the way i'm going to uh describe it to me it's almost like uh, on some phones you can say go to the configuration and say if i double tap the fingerprint scanner launch box i'm pretty sure you'll be you'll have to go through a, a customization type thing perform this action, perform it again, perform it again, perform it again. Okay, now what does this action do? And hopefully it will be more than just giving you a list of options, but allow some actual like customization of launching apps or um, you know back button kind of thing. Um, but uh, I don't have Android 12, so we're going to have to wait and see the actual, uh, how this thing is actually implemented when it comes to Android. They do have some uh, previews of the screens. I don't ever put a lot of weight on these screens that they show this early in it because it could always change. Um, I've, I, I dove into Tasker for the first time. I mean, I, I purchased it five years ago probably and never, never got into it. And then like, I'm still trying to sort out how to have my phone automatically connect, like, you know, a hierarchy of, of uh, Wi-Fi hotspots or SSIDs. And I tried a couple apps and then one of them wanted like $6 after a free trial. And I thought this is ridiculous. And so I tried to sort it out through Tasker and it seemed to work for a little while. And I haven't been able to, to look back into it. I'm hoping maybe just the Huawei killed the Tasker from running. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of fun just trying to sort out how, how that whole thing works and what, what Tasker can actually accomplish. I did have a link. I could have swore I bookmarked it, but I'm not finding it. Where it was an actual like tutorial uh, on how to use Task. It was actually like a good. I think it is fairly straightforward if you have the time. You know, it's just sort of if this then that logic. Well, I, I'm, I'll say there was at least time in the past when I tried to do it, and it was like just painful for me, and I was trying to figure out how to do stuff, but I don't fuck. I guess I didn't bookmark. Um. So I'll just say it like this. If you do need some help with Tasker on how to do it, it does look like Android Police, a beginner's guide on how to use Tasker. Um, the best thing about Tasker is it is pretty damn functional. The bad thing about Tasker is it's 
very deep. You can get into a rabbit hole to where, uh, but I do like the fact that at least some of these people say, well, the first thing you have to know about automating taskers, is you have to know your own habits. You know what I mean? What do you want to take advantage of kind of thing? Yeah. And, and then just the sort of the verbiage or the, the nomenclature that's involved with it, trying to, you know, there's, I can't remember what it is, but there's, there's some things that sound the same and kind of what action is this actually controlling? Yeah. Good point. It's verbiage. You have to know the lingo. Yeah, that's always been a little bit of a pain point with me. When it comes to a lot of things, I think with age, it's not getting easier. But like when I like run into new things, especially at work, it's like, excuse me, what? I have to literally like uh, sit down and like listen. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Back in my day, we used to call it something else. Well, uh, we have a, a French couple that uh, moved in to our basement suite. And so uh, that's been pretty interesting. There's some some fun conversations. Their, their English is, they speak English well but i'd like to try to learn french too but there's just that whole there's definitely some miscommunication sometimes right well i mean in my experience most of the time non-english people non-american people speak english better than english than american yeah maybe i'm crazy um one thing i gotta throw out there really quick um just because i wanted to be to be heard out there kind of thing um, this was a link I found, and I had to go refind it again because Reddit took it down. Um, it is the National Security Agency, aka the NSA's Mobile Device Best Practices PDF, uh, and, and and it's only two pages. Um, the first page is very data heavy. The second page is very like graph oriented, so it's actually you know to me easier to comprehend. Um, the long and the short of it is, if you demand security, don't use a smartphone. Let's start there. If you have a smartphone and then you want as much security as you can, I think this is a excellent guide on at least getting you started on what you can do, what you shouldn't do, what you should do, you know, how you how to how to do stuff, things like that. Because the way I'll put it is every point in your smartphone experiences, uh, ecosystem, livelihood, you have to make choices on how secure you want something to be. I mean, do you don't care? Then just send SMS messages all day long. You have no security. But it works really easy, and everyone knows how to use it. But if you need more security than just the basic stuff that the basic people have, I really do encourage people to check out this link. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, it's visually pleasing as well. Well, as much money as people at NSA get paid, they yeah, better right. be. Well, it's just like dumbed down for, for people. <laughs> like it's, well, and again... <laughs> Being a government employee, you better make it easy for them to understand or else they ain't going to follow. Okay. And and, and then, and then because we mentioned security, I do want to mention this part of security. We haven't even got to the apps yet, people. Sorry. Um, this, I believe, is called Calyx, C-A-L-Y-X, C-A-L-Y-X, yes, O-S, Calyx O-S. Yes, of course, it's Android-based, I know, which means... It's going to have certain binary blobs baked into it that we can't get around. We users can't get around. So let's just get that out there. It doesn't mean you can't try to be more secure with at least certain things. Um, This is a billion times better than that. What was it? Freedom phone or whatever. <laughs> send us $500 and we'll send you a $125 phone that isn't really secure. And whatever. Okay, whatever. This one at least actually tries to be secure. So, uh, yeah, Calyx OS is basically an operating system you can put you can flash on devices there's no buying a phone with it on it right now but you can flash it to devices so the here's what i'll say 
If you know somebody in your life that demands more security, more privacy kind of thing, and they don't know how to do it, now you know at least where to go to help this person out. And if you guys need to know, um, you know how you can get this running and stuff, there's easy links to follow on the um, page, or you can send us an email at aaa at podnuts.com. How long has this been around? Do you know? Uh, honestly, I don't believe it's very old. I want to say it might be six months old. Um, it's literally the first I heard about it is the way I'll put it. Like the, uh, no. I'm trying to see if I can actually scroll back in time in their blog. Around since at least May 2020. So, at least a year. So, that's good. Yeah, it's uh, something that Calit, the Calix Institute. Right. In 2000. Well, yeah, you call it. You put institute after the end, and it's always you know more important, like the Podnuts Institute of Technology. Wow, my uh, my wage just went up a hundred times there, Dor. Thanks. Yeah, exactly, and you're like a dean. <laughs> but yeah, if you go to the devices list, uh, not shockingly, it works on Pixel devices uh, and a Show Me device. So it's Pixel two, two XL, three, three XL, three A, three AXL, four, and four XL. Yeah, it looks like they roll their own VPN as well. Gotcha. So, yeah, if you want to check out more privacy, I'll say that's, I think, a good jumping-off point. Um, now, the question is, Josh, do we want to go over any emails before we get to apps? Absolutely. Uh, all right, so this one is from, I'm going to butcher this door. Okay, well, first off, really quick, yeah, yeah. that operating system got sent to us, CalixOS, by Darren Anderson. And he sent it back to us on May. I don't know how it slipped through, but that's the reason why it got brought to the show. So thank you very much, Darren, for the email. Um, this one is from Jacopo. That sounds all right. It sounds Jacopo Jenkins. This is, hi, guys. Longtime listener. I work third shift and never miss a show. I listen to tech podcast, and they help my nights go by. I'm, a, uh, I'm on a really tight budget, and I have not been able to contribute to your show financially, but I do recommend it to all my Android friends, and hopefully I've sent traffic your way. Nice. Thank you very much. Um, had a recommendation for, for Doors new phone. Just a little background. My wife is Filipino, and we met in 2001, and ever since then, I've been a phone importer to get around the carrier subscription trap. Ah, that's intelligent. Traveled to the Philippines many times in the last 20 years of marriage and and uh, very familiar with Chinese, Korean, and Japanese phones. Right now, I am currently using a Yumi Digi F1, and there's a link to it, which I'm on my third Yumi Digi phone and love their products. Bought it for $199 US on Amazon. If, if you look at the specs, even though it's a year and a half or so old, out specs a lot of flagship phones that are on the market for a fraction of the cost. But my next phone is going to be the Red Magic 5G. If if I won't give you a big spiel and list all the specs, but if you go there and look, you'll see the phone. I'll see that for the price, out specs $1,400, even $2,000 flagships. I know it's a little bit on the high side for price that Dora is looking for, or sorry, Dora is looking to be at. But even if you go back to their second or third generation, which is cheaper, what I'll expect a lot of the new flagships. The other phones I looked at before deciding on this was one is the Black Shark, the Razer phone, and the wrong phone, which I might have is too expensive for me. 
I settled on the red magic. Basically, the tipping point is the 140 hertz refresh rate, giant battery, tons of RAM, and it's even liquid cooled. How cool is that? That is cool. Anyway, just my suggestion. Take a look at them. I'd like to hear you talk about some of the gaming phones and see what you think. Love the show. You guys keep up the good work. Friends call me Jocko. I'm a fan for life. Thanks. Now, that's an amazing email. Sorry, I butchered it a little bit there, but uh, yeah, that's that's cool. And I mean, this this is from February second. So sorry, Jocko. Um, we uh, are derelicts. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I hope he understands this is what I'll say. And secondly, I'll say, Yumi Digi. I can't, that's almost it. Um, they've been in my eyes for a while. I've been looking at them. I've been definitely eyeing them up. To me, they're very competently specs phones with fair prices. I'm cheap. This phone, this Nord phone, was literally less than 200 bucks, 170 bucks. Hard to beat that for the price. Now, if I would have jumped up to the mid 200s, this would have been at least in the top three phones. This uh, Yumi Digi F1 Play, uh, six gigs of RAM, 64 gigs of internal storage. Uh, that's some nice specs you got there. Um, and it's um, 4G. I don't need 5G kind. Uh, and I will say the other phone, the Red Magic, um, I have seen um, ETA Prime on YouTube do some videos. And this thing is, oh, man, I want to say smoking hot, but that means it's like overheats. No, it doesn't because it's literally liquid gold. Yeah, um, that's crazy. This phone is freaking awesome. Um, and, this, and the customizations they did to the operating system to where when you load a game up you can literally load a completely separate configuration for your phone and then you can have uh i want to max out all my ram all my processor all my everything just for this game and they also ship with the device uh i want to say it was optional uh, a like cooler you literally put on the back of the phone and it clips around the phone and it basically is like a portable fan to help it keep even cooler so it does so it never has to throttle at all um these gaming phones, here's the gimmick. These gaming phones are going to go insane in the next, like, two or three years. They've already started to go insane, but I think they're only going to get more and more insane, partially because the Android gaming ecosystem is really getting up there in performance, graphics, capabilities, um, and the all and because of all the hardware improvements we're having, you're going to see, I don't want to say AAA games launching on Android first kind of thing, but you will see some really good games. Some of them will be multi-year-old games off a of PC, but you're going to start seeing even more and more like real legit games. Yeah, that phone is also used for a thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, and really quick in the chat, Pete says, "Do they have to be certified to use with a U.S. carrier?" No, I've never heard. No, uh, Verizon is the only one that wants you to use only their phones on their network. I've had multiple phones ship that you can't buy in the U.S. and I just put a card in on T-Mobile and it works. Um, I know on, um, oh, the yellow one that just went away, that T-Mobile bought, you could do the same thing. Sprint, you could do the same thing. AT&T, you could do the same thing. Verizon is the only one that tries to be picky. So. Um, and I'll say it's very easy to check what bands uh, your, your, in air quotes, carrier uses, but then you really don't know what your carrier uses in your area. So there are uh, mobile network tools you can download on your phone launch it up and it'll tell you what your towers are using right by you so then you can know if i buy this phone is it going to crawl and go super slow or is it going to be respectful and fast kind of thing so you always got to do your due diligence when you're not buying a phone that can be bought from the carrier store 
that's the caveat. We uh, we did take a trip in this time since our last podcast. We went down to a, a little place called Souk, which is at the south of Vancouver Island. And yeah, no, it was it was awesome. But um, what wasn't awesome is that we had we went fishing in our canoe, and like I didn't, I don't really know a lot about rockfish, but I know what a a lingcod looks like, and I caught one, but I didn't know what the legal size limit was, and so it's flopping around the boat, and I'm quickly trying to get the the synopsis 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 whatever uh fishing regulations on my phone and and then it said oh i get a text message say oh you've used 50 dollars worth of data so down in that area the phone automatically switches over to at&t in the states and all i was doing is looking for a pdf and it was and then i get another one about 10 minutes later you've 60 dollars worth of data (laughs) oh my god so they uh yeah, be careful of that if you're down in Souk and you're Canadian. Um, but they were, I have Telus as my carrier, and I sent them a message saying, this is ridiculous. I'm in Canada, and you're charging me $60. Never even gave me an option of, like, you know, pay $5, and, you know, you'll have coverage for a day or whatever in the States. So they did end up taking the, the fee off, but that's insane. Like, the price of, of, of the... Uh, Mobile carriers up here is terrible. Gotcha. 60 box door. That's nuts. Or like probably a couple megabytes worth of data. So, right. Um, you want to do another email? Sure, sure, yeah. From uh, Captain Zero. It's, hey, guys, I came across this video on YouTube. I have no way of actually confirming what they claim to have found. But if this is what is actually happening, I'm somewhat surprised. And then there's a, a link I'll attach a PDF version, and page 14 has the final conclusion spelled out for those who get a headache from scrolling. Yes, Dor, I'm looking at you. Alas, I don't have the ability to confirm or deny the findings. I don't even really... Oh, sorry. I don't even know if the source is credible, honestly. But while I'm good at turning stuff off when I set up a new browser, one never really knows if it does what we think it does. As Dor pointed out in the last AAA... The binary blobs in these computers could be doing things we have no idea about. I finally got my Carp Carpe Eater controller. It was back ordered for weeks. It looks like a nice item, but alas, it's a dud. Oh, man. The joystick is missing feedback on three directions, and I cannot get a long press of the mysterious A button to bring up the HUD in the software. Worse yet, I had a hard time getting it paired and only succeeded on one of four devices. The other three don't even see it. The bugger is that I got it via FedEx from Portugal and FedEx collected almost $50 in taxes I don't want to pay again. So this is going to take some hashing out. Looking forward to the next episode and I'll try to make it for the live show this time. That's nice. Yeah, because that was his first motorcycle, right? That was like a... I don't know, like a handlebar or a handlebar computer for his... Right. I don't know if it's his first motorcycle, but it's his new motorcycle. Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, you buy something high-end, you expect it to work. Um, and the browser security thing, I would say there's no such thing as browser security. I mean, they're all just sieves shoving your personal data uh, with reckless abandon all over the place. And 99% of the browsers out there on Android are Chromium-based. Chromium, Google, Chrome. Uh, Chrome makes all its money from ads, so it's going to be very poor 
security is the way I'll put it. Um, there are more secure browsers out there is the way I'll put it. But if you rely on your mobile phone for security via a browser, I really encourage you wait to do that super important thing until you're home and you can log into a real browser. Oh. Uh, I'd say that, and I'm almost, you know, uh, Firefox and Firefox Focus are available on Android. Um, they supposedly can do the same plugins that you can on desktop, so maybe that would be a better experience. Do you know if the the Firefox on Android has the same, like as, uh, on security now this week, uh, Gibson was talking about the... Uh, uh, cookie jars, basically, to where it stores all of the third-party cookies along with the first-party or the yeah, first-party cookies in an isolated jar. I don't know if it's on Android yet, is the way I'll put it, but I guarantee you it will be coming to Android. Um, and to me, I mean, I have very mixed feelings about that. I don't want to call that a security feature because it really has nothing to do with security. It has to do with a little bit more anonymity. Antonymity. Anonymity. Thank you. That <laughs> um, because what it does, it just makes it a little bit more work for somebody to actually track you from site to site to site to site to site. Um, it's one of those features. It's a good feature. Don't get me wrong. It's a really good feature. But it's uh, one maybe they might have it here. Enhanced tracking protection. I have that. Can't remember what they called it, but I know they called it something funny. So I'll say this, I use Firefox on my Android device for my bank, my LastPass, anything that can access me as a person kind of thing. I use Chrome when I'm just browsing Reddit kind of example, you know what I mean? When I'm doing something that's not important, I use a not important browser. When I'm doing something important, I use a more important browser. And then when I insist on not having ads anywhere on my device, I use, uh, I flip-flop between Smart Cookie, Web Browser, and Fulgurus, F-U-L-G-U-R-I-S, Fulgurus, um, Web Browser. They're both based off the same browser. They both basically block like 99.99% of every ad on every page seamlessly. Uh, you never get the pop-up. You're using a blocker. You know, if you want to see this site, continue. You have to disable your blocker. You never see that message. Uh, What's it? How do you spell it again? Um, well, the easy one to spell is smart cookie. Oh, the other the um, other one? Yeah, the other one is Fulgurus, F-U-L-G-U-R-I-S. Have you have you brought that before? I Honestly, I don't know. I know I was evaluating it. I had a couple back and forth emails with the developer. Um, to me, it's in my top three browsers on, on, on Android in functionality, usability, features, and blocking of ads. It's like right there. Um, yeah, I've got... I'm... Uh... I'm using Brave on my main computer and my phone. So I'm, I'm uh, just collecting that bat token. Door. Right. And I'll say um, one of these things that I keep seeing about these uh, browser privacy and phone privacy things, they always like to mention how much data size-wise is like spewing out of your phone. And if people's natural reaction to think, well, the bigger the number must be more severe kind of thing. Kind of like how people believe 64-bit has to be better than 32-bit because it's a bigger number, uh, which isn't always the case. Um, when I, I took away, when they were talking about these browser things and how on Safari it only leaks, you know, on launch, you know, two megs of data, where Chrome on Android was like 22. It was like twice as much. Kind of well, then I say to self, it doesn't mean Google's worse. That just means Apple's really like efficient at stealing your data. 
<laughs> um, maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I think. Um, I've had this problem before too. It's it says that it's compatible, available for all my devices, but the the install button is is grayed out. Uh, I would suggest trying to do it for desktop. No, I am. Oh, never mind. Sorry. Yeah, I oh, think I might yeah, have I'm... to do a like a, a private browser or something. Um, yeah, I think we have one more email here uh, from Mike Sanders. You want me to do it? If you want to. And this is again is one of those emails. Oh no, this one's actually July 11th. This one's better. We actually answered this one every time we back. Um, this is from Mike. Uh, hey, AAA crew, thanks for the great podcast, which I've been listening to for years. I have a question about sh- showing the date on my Samsung Galaxy S9. Is there any way to permanently show the date in the notification and status bar, uh, similar to how the time is always shown? To me, this seems so fundamental that I cannot believe it's not an option, as far as I can see, in the Android Samsung settings. Note, a while back, I tried various apps, which indeed put the date in various formats on the notification and status bar, but it would be pushed out or moved as other notifications came in. Uh, Basically, I'm looking for the date to be displayed next next to the time constantly, permanently. Hope this helps. Um, Oh, man. First off, I'm going to say there's no easy answer to this one, because... Every phone handles these kinds of things differently. It it literally could be buried in your Android settings called something stupid and nonsensical. That's just how, I hate to say it, how the Android settings ecosystem works. Um, the other answer is, if you can get it in a notification, you should be able to long press or no, slide just a little bit to one side. I'm sorry, slide a little bit to one side and you should have a gear button there. You edit that gear button, and you should be able to give that notification the highest priority, which which should keep it by the top. That's my easy answer. Um, but I don't believe, uh, without rooting your device or ROMing your device, I don't believe there's going to be an easy way. Maybe a, a different launcher. Um, like I, uh, I've never seen a launcher change the notification bar. Well, like AI, AIO. Um if I'm understanding this correctly, I mean, it, you can you have the, the, uh, yeah, exactly the time and the date. Well, I, I can't stop running. I, AIO, I don't know why, but I can't stop running it, uh, at all. Um, but it's not in the notification. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I will say the one thing I like about the one plus is if, um, I activate like the, um, um, like if I just pick it up off the table, it will, give me a screen which of course it's not giving me now because why would it ever work live um, yeah if you don't root and rom to do custom things to the notification bar is i want to say near impossible um i want to say my asus phone did have some really deep settings for the notification bar but that was it yeah mm. i think you'd be better off trying to get it on your um, um lock screen um so we've been doing a bit of building here as well. We're going to turn our our garage into a couple rooms instead. And so I'm actually going to bring an app here, which is called Construction Calculator Building Material Estimate. And it is from Spag App Studio under Tools. It's gotten 3.9 out of... 636 total reviews and it's 3.9 megs in size updated june 21st 2021 one 
version 1.8.3 requires Android 5 and up. In-app purchases $1.69. I don't even know what that is. Installs 100000 plus. And it's basically, you can uh, put in prices and try to price out how much a, a build will cost. And then it also will give you a material estimator. Here's my wall and here is the stud spacing. How many two by fours do I need? Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's good information there because some people don't know how to quickly in their head say, "Well, it's a fifteen foot wall that's going to be you know." And with the price of wood these days, you want to make sure you know how much it costs. Yeah, and then you get you know how much plaster you need and all sorts of fun stuff like that. Very cool. Yeah, useful useful tool. Oh, ready for this? Pro gamer construction tip of the day. How do you make sure you never hit your fingers when you hammer in a nail? Don't hammer a nail. Make your kid hold the nail. <laughs> nice. Um, Red, Red in the chat says that Samsung has some add-ons that do things like move time to the right side instead of left. I'm not sure if they do the date. I hated, I hated them moving the time and I moved it back with one of them. So maybe helpful. Well, and I will say there's certain um, um, like theme things you can get from, and it's almost always from manufacturers where they can do that kind of thing. I, you know, aftermarket, uh, it's obviously pretty rare to find a theme modifier like that. Maybe you just need to get a different icon pack door. <laughs> the bane of my existence for so many years, like thousands of icon packs, they just won't go away. Um. It is. Um, the app I'm going to bring here, I don't, this is to me, this is right there, wrong um, this to me is one of these kinds of apps. It's honestly a little bit hard to describe to uh, somebody who doesn't know Android. Um, you know, on like operating systems, you can do universal searches. Okay. Sure, you can open up a uh, file manager and search for files, but there's things called universal searches that will look at files, folders, and inside files and go, you know, everywhere and try to find stuff. That's kind of what this is for Android. It's called Sesame Universal Search and Shortcuts by Sesame Crew Personalization App, 11,000 uh, reviews, E for everyone. Does have some sort of in app purchase. I'm not positive what it is, to be honest. Um, Completely free to download and install 4.0 average reviews. Um, updated June 28, 2021, 6.6 .6 megs in size, 1 million plus installs. Current version 3.6.6 requires 5.0 Android and up, so it's been working for a while. Uh, content rating E for everyone. Uh, In-app purchase, 99 cents to 3.49 in the U.S. Um, permissions, it's going to need lots. This is universal search, not Single search, universal search, which really means one, but that's not good. Um, contacts, location, phone, photos, storage, Wi-Fi connections, and a bunch of other stuff. Essentially, if you don't want to think about where you need to search for something and just search for something, uh, it's very easy to load this up, to load this app up. Just type in a search thing, and it will search your contacts, as long as you give it permission. It will search your downloads folder. It will search your photographs. It will search your apps, and it can do some deep searching in apps. Uh, I do believe it did have deep searching inside of apps like Netflix that allow for deep searching. Kind of. um, it can search your Spotify playlist. Um, yeah, it's every, everything. Like that. Everything. It's like, yeah, it's, it's talking about Tasker, YouTube, Telegram, Reddit, Slack. 
calendar, maps. Yeah, it's kind of crazy is the way I put it, what this app can work. Um, a lot of per- it's just one of those things. It's a lot of permissions. Sorry. It's a lot of permissions, Dor. It, it, <laughs> ton of permissions, but it's like, here's the way I, I, I'll describe it. If you are a Mac user and you like Quicksilver, if you are a Linux user and you like Cupfer, um, if you like the ability to just hit one thing and type whatever you want and have it do the job of finding what you're looking for, this is the kind of app that you need. Um, and you can then turn search results into shortcuts as well, which is one of the things I thought was actually very interesting. So hypothetically, I could search for Beatles and find a Spotify playlist of just the Beatles and then say, save that as a shortcut on my home screen. What was cup? What so, was the other? You said Cupfer, real quick. Cupfer, K-U-P-F-U-R, which is um, Dutch for copper. Um, Cupfer is a Linux tool where, from the pop-up when you launch it, it pops up. You can type an application name in. You can type like a FileZilla con- connection name in. You can type in Firefox bookmark in. You can type in a command. You can type in a path, and then you can copy, move, or whatever. Um, you can type in like an, a saved uh, putty connection and connect. Um, I don't know what you can't do in Cupfer that you can do in an application. Okay, I'm on that. Well, and here's a gimmick. Like every time I log into my computer, what I used to do was activate Cupfer and then type. Because it also knows how frequently you launch stuff. So the most frequent things require the least keystrokes. So I would launch up my computer. Cupfer would launch. I would type F. That would be Firefox. I would then hit comma. It then starts stacking. So I would say F for Firefox, T for Thunderbird, and it would know it was Thunderbird. I would hit comma. I would hit um, Vivaldi, which is just V, hit comma. I would then hit B for Bluetooth Manager and then hit comma. And then I would hit um, P for PAVU Control and then hit Enter. And at once it would launch all the applications. Wow, nice. Because, and because I'm a nerd, I have my i3 configuration um, to say whenever this application launches, it goes to this desktop. Whenever this application launches, it goes to this des- desktop. So they would all be on the right place. Nice. Oh, I'm definitely looking into this. And uh, Charles said Spotlight for the Mac users. That's how long ago it's been since I've paid attention to Mac. I know years ago it was called Quicksilver. Well, Quicksilver is the, I thought that was Windows. Well, I know literally like eight to ten years ago, Quicksilver was what, um, and I can't remember what it used to be called. There was a thing on Linux that emulated emulated Quicksilver. And it said right there it, in its thing, you know, we're trying to be like Quicksilver on Mac. When I looked up videos for it, I said, wow, that's pretty awesome. And then after I learned about Cupfer, I jumped out. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, it actually says that here. What I thought Quicksilver was like some some video playing apparatus on Windows or something. Like yeah, there's always on there and no idea what it was actually for. Enough Windows talk for today. Cool. Yeah, that's Sesame. I mean, it's you're definitely giving giving the the keys to the car to someone else, but yeah, I know. But it's one of those things. It's honestly, it's so functional. If you do download it, if you do use it for a little bit, I think it's going to be one of those things you're going to figure out. I kind of need this one. Oh, Charles is correcting me too. QuickTime. That's what. Maybe that's. Oh, I thought or sil- QuickTime, silver yeah, that was silver a, light or something. Silverlight was the Windows uh, um, thing that was like a .dotnet ish environment that we on Linux had like Silver Moon or something like that. Um, you know what? If it ain't Scottish, it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this one. So along with that, uh, oh, Eric. Hey, what's up, man? Uh, Eric is saying that QuickTime was destroyed by VLC. Good riddance. 
Thank you. Yes. Um, this one, this app is called, uh, well, hold on. I'll give you the preamble first. So with this construction, we've basically boxed in uh, or built a wall where the garage door was. And then our, our house has vinyl siding and there's no chance I'm going to be able to find a color match or anything close for the for the vinyl siding. And so up above, kind of in the at the peak of the, the roof, there's cedar shingles or shakes that are painted. And so I had taken a picture of the the uh, the color basically on my phone and then I just took it in to Canadian tire, which is about as Canadian as you get, and to the to the paint department and asked them if they could match a color on my phone. And I was I was quite surprised that they couldn't. And then I said, Okay, and then I left and then I realized, wait a minute, I have this this app which is called Color Grab, Color Detection by Luma, uh, Lumatics under photography. There has 4.3 average reviews out of 12,724. Uh, last updated February 9th, 2021. Current version 3.9.2. In-app products, $3.19 per item. Again, I don't know what that is. Uh, size 7.4 megs requires Android 4.1 and up. 1 million plus installs. And so, yeah, I basically just took that picture or no i used the app climbed up on a ladder and and scanned the the color of the the shakes and it just uh spit out the rgb and hex codes and so then i took that to canadian tire and they had no idea what i was talking about it took two of them and then i think they just did a google search and came up with a sherwin williams paint color that exactly matched that hex color that that uh, this app had come up with, so I figured that must be like it was an exact match for the hex color. So, so okay, that's cool. Give me a can of that. And so I haven't I haven't found the shakes yet, but I'm interested to see how well the color matches up. Well, can I ask what would you call the color if you were explaining the color to a moron like me? Oh, it's like a gray green. Okay, good. Um, the only reason I asked is because I don't know if you noticed you, if when you take certain pictures with your phone, it doesn't look right. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter what phone. It is. Um, and typically it's the red does not come across correctly on mobile phones. It has something to do with the camera pickup. I don't know. But like, if I take a picture of a, like a rare steak, it looks just off, like not right. So as long as it's not a red based color, I would trust this color grab kind of thing to work fine is the way I'll put it. But if it was something red, I wouldn't wonder how the hell they could do it right yeah i don't know the uh our like the there's there's basically four separate well two peaks on our house and there's a south side and a north side on both peaks and so taking a picture on either side of course came up with a different you know with the the south side you have the sun and then the north side's always in the shade so trying to sort that out too like what is the which picture here is more closely, uh, more close to the the actual color, but I thought it was a I thought it was a good a good sign when Sherwin Williams had the exact hex color, which I don't know if how doesn't seem like there would be a, a ton of hex colors. You know, if it's off by one letter, that's it would be a, you know it wouldn't be the same. I guess I mean they had a color that was exactly the same. I'm just kicking a dead horse here. 
stop me, door, stop me. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, because the only thing I would worry about with that, because with them, I wouldn't think they would fade much because of exposure. So I think it, you know, you, I think you're going to have good luck. Is what I'll say. Um, and I want to stick with security focused things just one more time. Um, this comes from Orion in the Discord chat. This is the one. This is the one. This is one of the things that I really do like about uh, the communal areas where I'm at because it's not Twitter where it's filled with scum. It's not Facebook filled with fake people click to click activism their way to a holier than now attitude. But in Discord, it's actually, in my experience, more rational people willing to have more rational conversations for the most part. Um, this was an app brought by Orion in Discord. Who's the, I'll say this, uh, most of the people who I see in Discord are smart people who like talking about smart things. After that, this was one brought by Orion, which I thought was a really good find. I don't remember ever hearing about it. I want to say it's called Briar, B-R-I-A-R, from Briar Project uh, Communications. E for everyone, completely free, no in-app purchases, no, um, 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 in-app advertising, uh, 1,227 reviews, 4.1 average review, updated July 30th, 2021, 30 megs in size, 100,000 plus installs, current version 1.3.6, requires 4.1 Android and up, content reading, E for everyone, permissions, uh, location, Wi-Fi, device, app history, storage, camera, blah, 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 because it's a communication device. It wants to be able to share what you decide with, with whoever you're communicating with. Um, Long and the short of it, uh, the guy in Discord who asked for help, I'm assuming it's a guy, sorry, um, said he had a friend who was literally a journalist um, who someone figured out his phone number and he was using Signal as his secure messaging app. And because Signal is based off a phone number, he started getting all kinds of um, spam messages is the way I'll put it. Unwelcome messages is the way I'll put it. Uh, so he was wondering... Does somebody have a secure platform that they can suggest? Uh, me being uh, like a, what I consider to be a classic old school nerd, I uh, suggested, I want to say it's called Wicker Me, which was the secure messenger off of iRobot. And I, or not iRobot, Mr. Robot. And I figured if it was good enough for Mr. Robot, it was good enough for me. Uh, but then Orion suggested this one. Um, this one literally says it is a messaging app designed for activists journalists and anyone else who needs safe easy and robust way to communicate okay um and you can get it off of fdroid aka it's completely open source okay so the code can be all edited and audited kind of thing um you can initiate conversations via unique urls or if you're in close proximity via bluetooth authentication because like when i selected the name for my phone it says when i see it on bluetooth it says door so if we were close and I could say, let's connect, you would load up your app, I would load up my app, you would see door on your Bluetooth thing, and we would connect. Um, but that's not the thing that really caught my eye about this app. The thing that caught my eye about this app is this app features private messaging, you can do group messaging, forums, as well as a blog in this application. So I literally just loaded it up today because it was just posted today. But what, so the impression I'm getting is if you want to run a blog that you don't want to be attached to your name hypothetically and where anybody could see it kind of thing you could have designated friends and you could say download this app join us together and then i can post blog things where whenever you want to you can just go and check out my updates it isn't like you have to reply or you have to respond like normal messaging platforms this is almost like an independent social media platform is what i'll say 
but it, it's a very intimate platform that is secure enough for I would it says activists and journalists, and from what I can tell, I agree it is secure enough for them. I thought did it say that it was by servers. If that's nope, nope, that's it. That 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 is one of the things it literally says in like the second sentence. Unlike tra- unlike traditional messaging apps, Briar d- does not rely on a central server. Messages are synchronized directly between the user's devices. So if I send you a message and you're not online, you don't you know you don't get the message. If I go offline, then you go online. You still don't get your, my message. We both have to be online at the same time. And then it stores it on both devices. Afterwards, yes. Yeah, there, there, there's no uh, Snapchat like feature I saw where you could like on Wicker Me, I believe is the name that I suggested. You can literally say this message will only be available for three seconds, and you can send the message, and it can sit there forever. And then once they hit read the message, it's only available for three seconds, and then it, it disappears. Does have voice chat? I don't believe it has voice chat. I believe it's strictly just text type content and pictures. All right. Well, I installed it. Door, do you want to be my friend? Sure. Cool. Uh, yeah, so I just thought this was cool is what I'll say. Um, and it's the kind of app I want to get more publicity because, you know, maybe you know somebody who lives in, I don't know, Afghanistan, maybe, and that needs help. Or uh, what was it, Josh? Uh, the school in, was it Idaho got shut down? Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. Maybe you're in a place where you would like to have some secure private communications with somebody just for the sake of it being secure. This app, I haven't been able to use but i find it very interesting i tried so it's it's called helium hotspot by helium systems inc under productivity it has 3.8 average reviews at 446 total and it was updated to august 20th 2021 current version 3.4.6 and it needs your location photos media camera wi-fi uh, a lot of stuff so it's 51 megs in size, Android 5.0 and up, 100,000 plus installs. And this is an app for the, it's the Helium ecosystem, I guess you'd call it. And what, it, Helium is, as far as I can understand it, it's, a, it's, it's in the, the uh, cryptocurrency field. And what you do is you have, basically a hotspot and they're trying to use like it's a, it's like blockchain uh, mesh networking for IOT devices and that's how you mine the coin the helium coin is by running a hotspot and so there are there are businesses which send you a free helium miner which is the hotspot um, and I tried to sign up for one of those but we live in the middle of nowhere and no one else has one obviously around here. So we don't qualify to receive it, um, which is kind of unfortunate because I wanted to give it a try and to buy one. The hotspot is about a thousand dollars or more, $2,000. So yeah, I basically brought this app because I wanted to talk about the, that type of infrastructure and um, yeah, just that the idea of, you know, running IoT devices through this type of technology. Yeah, I want to say it was Stacy Higabotham, which I, I'm sorry if I butchered her name, um, who is, like I would say, like the queen of IoT. 
the king of IoT, the czar of IoT. I don't know anybody who I see in blogs or on audio that seems to be uh, as aware and as educated on as many things in IoT as her. Um, she's on uh, This Week in Google, I believe, with Leo Laporte. Um, she, I want to say, already had something like $6,000 that she made off of it. And she's just waiting to cash out. I mean, she's just ha- having the device just sitting there. And all you, I, all you got to do is get a device, hook it up to your network, and then just turn it on. Uh, the people who have access to that have no access to your network. Okay, It is like proven security. It's audited, blah, 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 blah. And what it is for, it's just for dumb devices to connect. So if you walk by my house and I have one of these devices, I don't believe you can connect with your phone and just access the internet. I don't think that's how it works. If I'm, if I'm reading everything correctly, you have to use the correct protocols in order to access it. And then you can only access your IoT server. There's no browsing the internet or streaming Netflix. Um, and yeah, every time somebody uses your network, you get money, which to me is a genius way to market your device, to, to make people want your device. Simply plugging it in, having it use a little bit of electricity, and then making it available to other people around you, you'll make money. I mean, it's hard to beat that. Yeah, and the, it looks like the, the Helium coin is up to $20.86, which is 31% this, this week with crypto, so it'll be down 40 next week, but it's, uh, that's pretty good. And so, I mean, if anybody else wants to attempt to get the, that free device, um, send me an email. And I mean, I th- there it's basically a, a partnership where I think if you get 20% of everything that's mined, and then if somebody refers you, they get 5% that doesn't come out of your 20%. I think it's like that. So if I, if I can't get the device, maybe someone else wants to get it and, and, uh, I'll start a business that way. <laughs> referrals, door referrals. Hey, as long as it works. Yeah, to me, this is one of those good ideas. There's a lots of bad ideas when it comes to crypto, okay? Because just like anything else, there's always bad ideas. Uh, the example I use is every second on YouTube, there's something like now 10 days of audio uploaded. 99% of that is garbage, period. Um, some cryptocurrency things I say are stupid and garbagey. This one actually seems like it might have a future. Uh, yeah, I think so. Like it's, it's very interesting. Very cool. Okay. I don't think I technically have any other apps in the queue. Well, I do, but you know. Yeah, I've, yeah me, me too. I probably should. Uh, we've got guests oh. here. so. Okay, well, just one, one more quickie. Um, one of the problems that comes with modern phones is the bezels are so small, it might be really difficult to not touch the screen when you're just trying to pick it up. So what this app does here, uh, this app here is called Touch Block Pro. Pro because it's $2.99. I don't think they have a free version is what I'll say. Touch Block Pro Screen Touch and Block by HDM Dev Teams Personalization 444 Reviews. Uh, E for everyone, $3 US to buy. 4.3 average reviews. It is eligible for the family library. And again, family libraries allow you to, like, for instance, uh, get YouTube premium for $15 for five people a month. So it's like $2.50 per person per month for ad-free YouTube. You also get the benefit when they're in the family of you can buy an app and then you only buy it once and all five people have access to it. 
Um, this app was updated July 23rd, 2021, 3.9 megabit in size, 50,000 plus installs. Current version 1.3.6 requires 5.0 Android and up. That's been a lot frequently here lately. So when 5.0 Android actually dies, ooh, we're going to lose a lot of apps. Uh, content rating E for everyone. Permission details, it's going to basically need accessibility services. The real thing is what it connects to. And what it does, it allows you to customize the amount of dead zones on the left and right hand side of your screen. So if you hand your phone to somebody and every time you do, they accidentally touch it, maybe you need an app to make a little bit bigger dead zones around the side of your phone. So while you can still see the screen, it becomes less interactive. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like with bezel-less phones, man, they're desirable. Man, they're sexy. Uh, they come with their own problems. Which, of course, in two or three years, when every phone is near bezel-less, this kind of app will be dead because Android will just bake this right into the operating system. That's how confident I am. I'll say, this is the kind of app in three years won't exist anymore because Android will say, hey, that's a good idea. Yeah. And just bake it in. It's like Costco. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that used to be a different brand. Now it's Kirkland. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's my apps. Cool. Um, all right. So I'll give a rundown here of the apps. The first one was uh, Fulgurus Web Browser by Slyons, Slyons under communication. Construction Calculator Building Material Estimate by Spag Apps Studio under Tools. Um, Sesame, Sesame Universal Search and Shortcuts under or by Sesame Crew under Personalization, Color Grab Color Detection by Lumatics under Photography, Briar by the Briar Project under Communication, Helium Hotspot by Helium Systems Inc. under Productivity, and Touch Block Pro Screen Touch Block by HDM Dev Team under Personalization. Very cool. Um, I want to, again, thanks everyone for coming out. Charles, Red, uh, Eric, and Captain Zero. Thank all you guys for coming out. Again, if you want to be notified when we come out and do a live show, you can either follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Discord, or send me an email and just ask me to send you an email when we go live. And I'll do my best to remember to send that out. Um, you can give us a voicemail. You can call up 7076-PODNUT if you would like and leave us a voicemail. That number is still active. Uh, or you can simply... Uh, on anything you own, hit record and send us an audio file that way. We haven't had an audio message in a long time is what I'll say. Um, or, of course, you can send us an email at aaa at podnux.com. And again, I want to thank everybody for their support on Patreon. Look, this last 16 months has been horrible for lots of people. I had extra, I had stupid pain drive me nuts. Um, the only thing that keeps me going every single day of my existence is the only constant is change. And hopefully that changes most of the time better and not just worse. Do uh, you have any uh, parting words there? Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, thanks, Pete, as well, for coming out in the yeah, yeah. in the chat. Uh, and and thanks, everybody, Captain Zero, Mike, and uh, Jocko for their emails. Uh, I mean, we are fallible, and uh, we try to do these shows as as often as possible but sometimes that doesn't work um just we always read the emails that's for sure and they're always appreciated and yeah just uh give somebody love a hug absolutely man uh, i want to thank everyone again we will definitely try to be more consistent and again the only constant is change so the change is we're going to be more consistent no promises on how consistent just more consistent and i think there might be some people watching right now that uh so hey scott Hey, Eddie, Annie Rose, Solomon, 
and uh, Uncle Jed. Very cool, very cool. All right, guys, we'll definitely be back and talk to you again real soon. Take it easy. Hi, this is Matt from the MRP Tech Podcast. I would like to invite you all to take a listen to my show, the MRP Tech Podcast, on the Podnuts Network. The theme for my show is Everyday Tech for Everyday People. We talk about Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and anything else technology-related. You can find us on iTunes, and you can find us by searching in any podcatcher. We hope you take a listen, and let us know what you think. Music provided by Steve Cherubino at stevecherubino.com.